Luke chapter 2, verse 22. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel." The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to, call the fall, to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and, a, and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Amen. We trust that God will bless to us his word, John. Well, please do take your Bibles with you, and let's come to Luke chapter 2. And as we come into Luke chapter 2, we're going to focus on this passage. We've been making our way through various characters over the Christmas time and throughout the Christmas story. And so this morning we land with Simeon, uh, and then tonight we'll finish our, our Christmas series. So today we're looking at Simeon, uh, and so we'll be basing ourselves mostly uh, in verses 22 through uh, to 38. Now, as we start to look at this, as we start to think about the character of Simeon, I wonder this morning, in what way are you doubting God? In what way are you doubting God? What are you uncertain about whenever it comes to the Lord? What parts of His character have you brought into question? What parts of, of what we hear preached week after week, what parts of the gospel are you not so sure about any longer? Maybe circumstances have come up in your life, and you're starting to question the things that you once took for granted whenever it comes to faith. And moreover than that, what about your life? What are you basing your life upon? Are you basing your life upon the promises of God? 
Are his promises the bedrock of your life? Or are we living a life that is clearly built upon Christ? Lots of questions for us here this morning as we begin. And whenever it comes to doubts, and thinking about how do we start to doubt the Lord, start to doubt His character, uh, perhaps it's a little bit like this to illustrate it for us. It's a little bit like a, a wasp coming into a room. And you know I've got a good history with wasps. A wasp coming into a room. A couple of weeks ago, we were in the house, and I heard something buzzing, and I said, there's a wasp in this house somewhere. I can hear him. <laughs> Tragically scarred from that day in the pulpit. But you know what it's like? A, a wasp comes into the house, and, and perhaps you don't really pay it much attention. You hear it buzzing about a little bit, but you think, oh, it'll be fine, it'll go away. Or, or you're, you're in a, a particular room in the house, and you close the door, and you think it'll be fine. But what could happen is that in a few weeks, you could go back, and the one wasp has turned into a whole swarm of wasps as they start to come into the house, and they start to make a nest, and now you've got a, a big problem on your hands. And doubts are a little bit like that. A doubt comes into our mind, a little bit like a stray wasp that buzzes about in our head, and we, we try to push it into the background. We start to ignore it. But over time, the, 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 the doubt starts to grow. More and more buzz comes into our mind, and, and as we proceed through, what happens is now the whole structure, if, if you imagine it with the other illustration, the whole structure of the room is compromised, and so it is with doubt. It maybe starts off with a stray thought about the Lord, and then uh, over time, it starts to bring our whole understanding of who God is, of who Jesus is, of His character into doubt. It erodes our foundation. It weakens our relationship. And so what do we do if our doubts? What do we what do we do with them? Well, I want us to go to Luke chapter 2. I want us to go into this passage this morning uh, as we turn from one year into the next, and I want us to see three things that will be an antidote to our doubts this morning. Very simple points. Keep the faith, live the faith, and focus our faith. That's where we're going this morning. Keep the faith, live the faith, and then focus our faith. So first of all, keep the faith. When someone says to you, uh, I'll give you a shout in a couple of weeks and we'll, we'll go for a coffee, or we'll, we'll have to catch up. Maybe you've been at a family event and they say, we'll have to do this more regularly. I'll give you a shout and we'll have to catch up again. You, you almost instantly think this is never going to happen. Unless you pull out your diary and you get it into the diary, their words are meaningless, even if they promise. I promise you, uh, I'll give you a text after Christmas uh, and we'll catch up. And you know that it's going to not happen. You're almost surprised if someone does keep their word in circumstances like that. Promises made, promises broken. Now look at Simeon. Simeon had been given a promise, but it looked as if the promise would be broken. You see, the Lord has appeared. The Spirit of the Lord is upon him. The Holy Spirit speaks to him and tells him in verse 26 that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. But that sounded, that sounded like a distant dream. Verse 25, Simeon's waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for Israel's comforter. That's lifted from Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 2, it says this, "'Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, and cry to her that her warfare is ended, and her iniquity is pardoned.'" 
Simeon holding on to the words of the Lord, but it looked like his promise wouldn't come to pass because 100 years pass, you can imagine Malachi speaks at the end of the Old Testament as such, 100 years, silence, another 100 years, nothing, another 100 years, nothing, another 100 years, silence until this moment. And look at the detail. Simeon, Simeon's not a young man. He's an old man. He's an old man who has been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for this one who's going to come and who's going to bring comfort. And so in verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he saw the Lord's Christ. Perhaps Simeon took these words. And, and how did the Lord reveal this to him? Was he sitting in the temple one day and, and he heard Isaiah 40 being read and the Holy Spirit pressed it upon him that you will see the Christ, God's Word upon his heart? And in the midst of this bleak situation where it seems like the promise will not come to pass, what do we find about Simeon? Simeon is keeping the faith, isn't he? He's pushing the doubts away. He's holding on to the Word of the Lord day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. You see verse 25, Simeon was a righteous and a devout man, and he's waiting, and he's waiting, and he's, he's around the temple much. Even though the situation is bleak, even though it seems like it's the darkest of days, he holds on to the faith. He keeps the faith. He trusts the promises of God. He trusts the Word of God. This week, reading in preparation for the sermon, Jesse Ryle, the old bishop of Liverpool, he came in extremely helpfully as a line. I'm not sure if I have it on the PowerPoint, maybe a quote later from him, but he said this, God has a believing people even in the worst of places and in the darkest of times. The worst of places and the darkest of times, and here Simeon is still believing, Lord, you have told me this, and so therefore I will cling on to your word. I will keep the faith. Now, it's not hard for us to start to apply this into our life. Sure, it's not. In the most difficult of times, the darkest of situations, whenever we are in the darkness, don't we start to doubt God? That's one of the first things that happens to us. One of the darkest times in our life rolls in, and what do we do? We, we doubt the Lord straight away. We doubt His goodness. We doubt if He really will see us through. We doubt if He loves us. Doubt starts to buzz in our mind. And we ask the Lord, are you still with me? Are you still listening to me, Jesus? Are you going to lead me safely through this valley? Can I trust you in life and in death? Are you still my good shepherd? Because these things start to rule into our life and we start to question what do we see in Simeon? He kept the faith, unwavering in his hope, clinging to the promises. And he's old. The circumstances look bleak, but he trusted the Lord. 
I'm sure as his body ached and as he, as he saw himself aging and getting slower, he wondered, would this promise ever come true? But he's still holding on. He's still clinging. And so for us in the circumstances of our life, as things look bleak, as, as life starts to close in around us, in sickness, in relationship breakdown, in our youthful ambition that starts to fade away with all of the plans that we have made, and we start to doubt, in our older years, What's the message this morning? Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Keep trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and His promises. This is a, a little aside. Stephen will pick up some of this uh, this evening. But look at verses 22 through 25 uh, just for a moment. What, what do we see here? We see that, the, that Mary and Joseph are good and obedient parents. They're following the law, doing what is right, fulfilling the law. They're doing that because Jesus had to fulfill the law. He couldn't be outside of it. He had to abide by it be obedient to it. And so they're being good parents. They bring them along. They, they do what they're supposed to do within the Jewish system. And notice this. In Luke's gospel, there are four older people mentioned. That's no coincidence. He mentions Elizabeth and Zachariah as being elderly. He then mentions in this passage that we have read, Simeon and Anna as being elderly. Why is that? Because at this moment within the history of salvation, we have the old system, the old covenant, and it's being replaced by who? By the Lord Jesus Christ. We're moving into the new. And so at this moment of transition, what do we find? We find older, devout people who have kept the law, who are righteous. And what do they do? They don't oppose Jesus, but they delight in the Lord Jesus Christ. They take Him into their very arms and bless him, and sing praise to him. Anna, at the end of our passage, she, she picks up on what Simeon has encountered with the Lord Jesus Christ, and she starts to tell people about the redemption that has come. You see, Jesus comes, and what does he do? He fulfills the law. He's not contrary to it. He comes, and he fulfills it, and then he sets a new covenant into motion. We'll hear more about that this evening uh, as Stephen comes and preaches for us. All that said, back into the text, back into the main thrust of what we're looking at today. First point, keep the faith, even whenever the circumstances look bleak. Then live the faith. It was one thing that the promise had been given to Simeon. It, it was one thing for him to meet the Lord Jesus Christ, but would he change his life? Would the Lord change? Would this encounter change Simeon? Would there be any difference? Yes, he meets this little baby in the temple, but so what? Well, there should be a change, and of course we see it. Look at verse 27. The Holy Spirit leads Simeon to Jesus. He's provoked. He moves into the temple. The Lord leads him in, verse 28, and then he takes up this little boy in his arms. And the key bit is then, what will he say? As he blesses God, what will he say? Will he say something like what we would say? This is a cute little baby boy. Aren't you beautiful? You've got your mother's eyes. Isn't he getting big? Could have said any of those things. Or he could have just said, Lord, thank you and left it there. But what we find is a man who does what? Who puts his faith into action. He's been keeping the faith and now he's 
putting it into action. He's living out his faith. It's not just a faith that sits on the shelf, but it's a faith that comes into motion as we read the words of Simeon's song, Lord, verse 29, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. You see, it's starting to get traction what the Lord is doing in his life. He's changed. How he lives and how he thinks has been changed. This is where Jesse Ryle says this. He speaks like one for whom the grave has lost its terrors and the world its charms. I love that. Because here's this old man facing certain death that's coming soon for him. And as he meets this little baby, as he meets the Lord Jesus Christ, he speaks like one for whom the grave has lost all of its terrors and the world all of its charms. He's focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's living his life then through him, instantly living his life in a changed way. How do we know that? Because verse 29 tells us that now he's happy to die in peace. He has peace. Death no longer has a grip on him. He doesn't fear death because he has met the one who has come to conquer death. And so, what do we see? We see that Christ changes how Simeon lives, and so too he should change how we live in life and in death. Now, why is it described here as peace? Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace, is how the ESV puts it, according to your word. It's described here as peace because that peace is the peace that is given because of the assurance of God keeping His word. The assurance of God keeping His word. God had given him a promise, and now God has fulfilled that promise. He has kept His word, and if He has kept His word on this part, Simeon knows that He will keep His word in every part. that this is the Messiah, God's chosen one, the one who's been sent to rescue. Peace, assurance given. And it's huge. It's huge for this old man who is facing death, this old man who must be anxious about his life and about his death. And here in this moment, as he cradles the Creator, he knows that he is safe. No fear he dreads, because he follows Jesus, and Jesus will lead him home. And here in this moment, he cradles the one who will what? Who will be crucified, and he knows this, no condemnation, now I dread Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head, clothed in righteousness divine, he cradles the creator, and he knows this to be true. Here in this moment, he cradles the Christ, and he knows that this little boy is his only hope in life and in death. Look at verse 30. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. Lord, I have met the one who has come face to face, sent from your throne room to rescue me, and this is going to change my life. This is changing me instantly in how I face death and how I live. And this isn't just for me, because look at verse 31. This is now out in the open for everyone to see, God revealing himself to the 
Gentiles and to the Jews, a light to the whole of the world, glory to all of the people. And so Simeon could turn around from this encounter and say, my life is worth living now because I have met the Christ, and I'm going to live it not for myself, but for Him. My life is about Jesus' kingdom, living in relationship with Him as a disciple, as a follower, as an apprentice under Him. And life and death are changed forever because of this encounter with Christ. And not just for Simeon. If we think that this is a one-off, it's just for this older man who hangs about the temple who's starting to dote a little bit. Well, then look at verse 36, because then we meet Anna, Anna this prophetess. And she, she's had a hard life. She'd been married for seven years, and then she spent the rest of her life as a widow. Her husband has died. And look, she doesn't depart from the temple. She worships, verse 37. She fasts and she prays night and day. She too is waiting for this consolation, for the comforter to come. Verse 38. And that very hour, because of what she had witnessed with the Christ and with Simeon, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting. There were others there were others who were going to the temple. You can imagine this faithful group of people. It seems like they're, they're elderly. Maybe not all of them, but at least some of them are elderly. And they're going to the temple every day. They're regularly there waiting for the Lord to come, waiting for the Christ to appear. And she goes and she tells them that the one who we were promised has arrived. They're waiting on the Lord. And then they meet him face to face. And she gets to give thanks. She too has this great anthem of praise as she goes out, as she begins to give thanks to the Lord and tell of uh, this news to all of the people. And here's the thing, in the midst of this, right, we're, we're told to keep the faith this morning in the midst of difficult situations. But for us as Christian people, we got to live the faith. This is where we, we start to fall down, isn't it? This is where we start to break and crumble. It's all right whenever we're in here, but whenever we get out from here, what does it do to us? What does this news do to us? What does an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ do to us? If you're claiming Him as your Savior, what has He done? What is He doing in your life? I shall love the Lord the, my God with all my heart and soul and mind and strength and love my neighbor as myself. Is that getting traction in our life? There's, there's something that happens to, to people within the church. What happens is that we call ourselves Christian, and then what we do is we start to live this unchristian life. Claim Christ, and then inwardly we become unchristian in our actions and our reactions and, and how we go about our day to day life. What we see here is Simeon and Anna, they're converted, they're changed, they're Christ's, and they live out their faith. How do we treat our neighbor? How do we love our parents? How do we love our friends sacrificially? How do we be a follower of Jesus at home and in work, and not just in Hill Street, in our speech, in our thoughts? 
where, where do we start to see this unchristian life coming into us as Christians? Keep the faith. Live the faith. And then very quickly and finally, focus our faith. Focus our faith this morning, because in the Christian life, as we start to follow the Lord Jesus, there's much to learn, much to explore. Sometimes it's overwhelming. Sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes we don't know where to start with it all. And so let this passage focus us at the, at the turn of one year into the next. Let's, let's be in this text today and this week as we go from here, because what does it do? This, this text is framed all around salvation. It's all to do about salvation. Exodus 2.0, as we had been thinking about uh, for a number of months leading up to Christmas. The prison cell of sin opened up. Death, death conquered. Us taken off death row were liberated. The ransom paid. The substitute made. The sacrifice given because of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Simeon's song is all about. Salvation, verse 30. I have seen your salvation. That's why Anna is praising the Lord, because she saved. Salvation has arrived. It has come in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what all of these people are waiting for, salvation. And so what is our focus as we focus our faith this morning? Focus it on salvation, on our salvation, on what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. Look at verse 34. Because Simeon goes on and he speaks to Mary and to Joseph, and he says this, he says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many, and for a sign that will be opposed. What is he saying? This child will bring a fall, a crash, a ruin to some. There will be those who will reject him. Verse 38, Simon, or verse 34, sorry, Simon tells Mary and Joseph, be prepared for this. Not everyone's going to love this child. He is going to be the cornerstone that will cause people to stumble. But just as He causes some to stumble and for some to fall and to cause ruin to themselves, so too, what will He bring? He will bring rising to others. Literally, to be translated, that word there from the Greek means resurrection. He will be resurrection. He will be life. Some will fall into death and others will see Christ and will live. And so focus ourselves on this. Jesus came to save. He came to bring peace and restoration. He comes, and, and what does He do? He separates all of people. He comes to sort and to judge. But this morning, if we know Him as Savior, then let that, that focus us in on the, the goodness of the Lord, what He has done for us, and let's not overcomplicate things. Let that be the fuel then, the focus. Our focus is the fuel that helps us to live it out and helps us to keep the faith. Our time's gone. Let us close with this. Can I challenge you this morning? Because this passage has challenged me this week as I've wrestled with it and thought about it. Can I challenge you with a couple of questions? This morning, are we following the Lord Jesus or are we running away from Him? Is He really changing our life, changing our desires, changing the things that we do? 
Or is our faith just set up on the shelf of our lives? If you're here this morning and you haven't trusted Jesus, the question is this, do you stumble over him? Or are you willing to have your life built upon him? Does he bring you peace this morning? Or does he cause you a problem? If you're a believer here this morning, remember these points. Keep the faith. Live the faith. And focus our faith. And then verse 33, look at verse 33. Then let us join with with Mary and, and with Joseph and marvel at the things that have been said about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us think and ponder and and let these things change us as we follow him today or until he returns or calls us home.